And I uh, shared with you, and I dedicated this scripture that is found in Joshua 6, 1 and 2, if you can put that up. And it's a very uh, common and, and familiar scripture for, uh, for most of us. And it says, uh, now Jericho was surely securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty man of valor. Uh, I confirmed the call of Pastor Jacob uh, at that time, and those of you that uh, accompanied him, like I said, on this journey, and those of you that believed together that God had given you the city of Mountain View into your hand. I spoke, a, I spoke a word of faith to that small but valiant group of people that stood with Pastor Jacob and Sister Cherie and the family, not knowing uh, that what would be the future or the, the days ahead and uh, to accomplish God's word and mission, purpose and mission in this city. It's almost as if you entered it blindly, not knowing. But uh, I, I preached a message one time uh, some years ago somewhere, I don't know where, and I says we need to have blind faith. And uh, blind faith meaning that we don't need to see to believe. And many times uh, when we see something and uh, we already know, well, praise God, uh, uh, you know, it helps you. And I'm going to be talking about a little bit about that to, in a few moments. Uh, uh, but there is not a stronghold, I told you. There is not a weapon form that will hold you. And I don't believe that nothing has held you back. I believe that you, uh, what you set out to do, God began to do a work in your lives. Many people have entered through those doors. Uh, many people have come here and they have received something from God. Not everybody stays, but everybody takes. Amen. And somebody came and they got something from the Lord. Uh, some of them stayed. Some are with you now that weren't with you at the beginning. Uh, but the important thing is this, uh, that the doors have been opened. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, but that was Pastor Jacob's uh, topic. Uh, the doors are open. I don't know if you remembered that. Amen. And that is uh, what's important here today is that the doors are still open. Can you praise the Lord? Uh, there's many doors, especially because of the troublesome times and the, the turbulence in life and life and the economy. And, and, and uh, even uh, as we passed, the, as was mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the pandemic, so many things that have come uh, uh, that could have uh, 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 disabled you or, or disappointed you or, or even, you know, held you back, but it did not hold you back. Many businesses, in fact... Uh, we were just somewhere recently, and and uh, I, I, I wanted to go. We wanted to go to this restaurant, and 
And when we get there, we find that it's closed down. The doors were closed. And, you know, there's been many doors that have been closed over the last 10 years. There's a lot of people that started things that didn't finish. They gave up. They threw in the towel. They say, forget it. It's not worth it. But City Light has kept the doors open for 10 years. Amen. And because of that, many people, and especially the enemy of our souls, he don't like it when the doors are open. He doesn't like it when the signs are out in front. He doesn't like it when people begin to make noise in the sanctuary with a jubilee and shout and singing and the word of God is being preached. But the devil and whatever he has thrown to you, you've been able to hurdle it. You've been able to dodge it. You've been able to get through it. And here you are today. Bless the name of the Lord. God is good and God has been with you through the high and the lows. He's been with you. Praise God, somebody. Amen. I mentioned a quote back then, and I, I, will, I will just repeat it again because uh, it, it still stands true. And if you can put it up there for me, please. Uh, it was a quote by a man by name Ron uh, Sylvia. This is what he said. He's a, a, a church planter, a coach uh, in Florida. He says, God prepares you for a place and God prepares a place for you. And I believe in what I'm going to be speaking about here today, I'm going to take you just a little bit further than the opening scripture, if I may. And I want to entitle, if I may, I, I'm not one with uh, fancy titles and all of that. I'm, you know, I'm over the hill. And we're going to talk about that hill right now. <laughs> Praise God. No, it's not that. I just, I'm just going to give it the simple name. Give me Hebron. Give me Hebron. Somebody say, give me Hebron. Uh, today, I confirm that this is still the beginning for City Light. The best is yet to come. Don't, don't uh, uh, think that, oh, we are at the pinnacle. This is not Shiloh right here. We're not just going to plant and stay here. We got to get out and explore. We got to get out and, 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 and know that God has so much more for us. Uh, and we don't need uh, to have a, a, a Shiloh experience where God had to come down and, and, and shake things up and, and get people moving out to, to claim their promises. Uh, but I thank God that City Light Church is on the move. Amen. City Light Church uh, is a moving target, if you please, uh, because uh, uh, people that are on the move from God, it's difficult to, to get them and to discourage them. But I want to thank you for your sacrifices, uh, for your investments, uh, for your prayers, uh, and for your giving, uh, because it is not in vain. God will never forget, maybe you forgot, that day that you prayed and the day that you fasted or the day that you contributed, maybe you forgot about it, but God does not forget. He knows everything you've done, every little thing that you have done in favor of His people in favor of his church. God does not forget. And I read a scripture back then, a short verse, and it said on Matthew 16, 18, I didn't give it to you on PowerPoint, but it says, I will build my church. That is a promise because God doesn't set out to do anything unless he plans to finish it. 
He's the author. He's the finisher of everything. Praise God. Nothing in, from before or after or in between gets done without his permission. And when God says, I'm going to build, guess what? God's going to build. When God says, I'm going to build my church, he's going to build the church. And it's not up to any, anybody else. It's up to God. And when God is in it, praise be the name of the Lord. It's going to happen. Tell your neighbor, it's happening. It's happening. The potential of any church lies within the gifts that the Lord gives the church. God has not shortchanged or held anything from City Light Church. You are a very gifted church with great potential, uh, becoming the brightest light in the city for people to come and receive Christ as their personal Savior. Gifts are not received as many people think and ready to use switch on, switch off. Gifts don't come like that. They must first be discovered and then developed and to work together within a spiritual body to reach its greatest potential. Spiritual gifts are not to operate alone. God never designated or gave a gift to anybody that should operate by itself. There's no gift in my Bible that says it's a gift on its own, independent of everybody else. No, we are a body of Christ. We are a people that make up a body. So the gifts don't operate alone. They work in concert and in harmony with other gifts to become a functional organism. This requires unity which has been a characteristic of City Light Church. Can you say amen to that? Gifts are rarely discovered by the recipient alone. Praise God. Uh, there's been great men in whatever sport and athletics and, athle and athletics and sports uh, industry that were not discovered in themselves. Uh, they were discovered uh, by somebody else. Praise the Lord. Uh, the potential of any athlete uh, is not to be discovered within himself, but rather by a scout, somebody that's out there looking, and they say, wow, did you see that kid over there? Oh my God, does he have an arm? Does he can do it? Oh wow, you know, he's got this potential. And they begin to look at him, they scout him out. A coach will look at him, or then even a mentor that observes and recognizes the gift and the talent of an athlete by their raw performance and love for the sport. One of the greatest tests for any athlete is their love for the game. I wouldn't want to engage or be part of anything unless they loved what they were doing. Amen. If they don't have a love or a heart for the sport, they will most likely not be willing to be mentored or developed to their greatest potential. I've played in sports, you know, for a good part of my life. And I knew, I know, I've seen this, and I wasn't the greatest athlete, but one thing that I had is I had a love for the game, and praise God. And when they would tell me to do something a certain way, I did it just like they said. And so that kind of moved me up into the front lines, what they called, you know, first string, second string. And, you know, I hated second and third string. 
I don't like first, second and third. I want to be in first string. And I would be right by the coach. And people say, oh, you're, you're brown nosing in the coach. No, I'm playing more than you. I'm in there, man. I want him to know that I'm right here and I'm ready. <laughs> How many are ready? <laughs> Praise God. If you're just going to be sitting down chatting and drinking Gatorade, you're not going in, man. With your helmet off, you know, hey, look at me, man. I'm number 95. Really? Why don't you stand where you're available? I always used to stand. If the coach would go that way, I'd follow the coach. If he'd go that way, I'd follow the coach. Hey, man, coach, yeah, I'm right here. Put me in. <laughs> Amen. And, and that, that's what it requires. Uh, somebody that is ready, able, and willing. I, I remember, uh, maybe I shouldn't tell you, but I'll tell you. I remember one occasion, it wasn't my position, but the coach just wanted a certain guy hit so bad. He just wanted him to be hit. I don't care. I just want somebody to hit that guy. And I was standing right here looking at him. He says, will you hit him? I said, yes, sir. Get in there on the next play. He says, yeah, what position do I play in there? Just get in there and hit him. Man, let me tell you. I didn't care where the ball was. Didn't matter where the ball was going. My eyes were on that guy. And then I seen him running in, 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 in our, our, I don't know if it was a halfback, fullback, or whatever back. He was running, and he had the ball, and I was up there running with him. I was, you know, kind of blocking people. And then I saw the guy. There he is. I said, never mind who's carrying the ball right now. I turned around, and then I faced him head on. And that guy looked at me, you're a fool. I said, no, I'm not. And then he came at me, and I just ducked down, and I went, boom. That guy went like this. Boom, he fell on his back, and the ref wanted to throw me out of the game. He wanted to throw me out of the game. He says, you can't do that. I says, my coach said, do it. I did it. So I went, he said, oh, my God, he was hugging me and hugging me. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I did what he said. I was being, I was just following the, 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 the coach's lead. Amen. Sometimes we don't know why. Just do it. When your mentor and your coach tells you to do it, just do it. When your pastor says, hey, got to do this, man, get in there and do it. Don't question you might say, that's out of the rules, amen. Who said there's any rules here? Just get it done. <laughs> Praise God. I have personally seen the City Light Church in its maturing. I have seen it mature and develop into what God had envisioned it to become. And God has given City Light Church the gift of a pastor, which is part of the fivefold ministerial gifts of the church. God himself has taken personal interest in his gift to the church, and he began the process by making Pastor Jacob into, and, and taking him under his own mentorship as an understudy of God himself, and then he continued to develop him into a true under-shepherd. You will not become an under-shepherd until you become an understudy. 
you got to be submissive to the plan of God and to the call of God and the preparation and the development of God. And whatever level in ministry you are, are, are in, involved in, remember, you've got to be God's understudy. You've got to be the understudy of the leader that God has placed in your life uh, to develop and form you and prepare you into what you should become and will become the process of development and, re and building continues through the pastor who has been given the ability to discover other gifts and potential and other people that is under his care. He then begins to edify, develop, and most important, to mentor every member under his care to the greatest potential of ministry in God's kingdom work. People that come in, and you know, and they're already made up. I mean, we've seen these, these athletes that, you know, they, they, they cannot, they, they don't gel with the team because they come from somewhere else, and, and they have their own ideas, and, and, and they want to do it their way, and, and, and it's hard to work that way. But when somebody is born here, and somebody is developed here, when somebody is willing to, to gel with the ministry under the vision of the pastor, let me tell you, God has great things in store for you, and God will bless and use you to your greatest potential. I'm going to tell somebody here, I don't know who it's for, you have not reached your potential yet. You might think you have reached a pinnacle. God has so much more to draw out of you, to develop in you. You have a great potential in God. To God be the glory. Many great athletes that ended their career prematurely were asked, what happened? And in many cases, it's possibly an injury. But then, one of the things that is heartbreaking is to hear somebody say, I have lost the love for the game. I don't love the game anymore. And when you lose love for the game... You stop developing. You stop growing in your gift or your talent. Pastor Jacob's love for the ministry has only grown to the point that he is willing to submit to the most rigid and demanding development to ensure that God accomplishes his purpose in his life and in this city. Love for the game is the greatest motivation to pay the price of sacrifice and pain for the gain. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen. Church leadership, beginning with the pastor, follows the same pattern and the same path. But I don't think that's a problem here at City Light Church. I see an assembly of gifts and talents that God has brought together that are determined to pay the price and grow and mature because of the love for ministry and the work of God, you are willing to submit to the development, to the molding that God has prepared for you. City Light, this is your best season. I said, this is your best season. God 
God has brought you to a place. Through it all, you trusted in God. You have not been distracted. You have maintained your focus. And the dream is much closer than you can even imagine. Because, you know, like somebody said one time that was running for office, he says, hey, the side view mirrors and the rear view mirrors, they're very deceiving because the reality is your prize is a lot closer than it seems because sometimes when we look to things and we think, well, it's way back there. No, it's not. It's with you. And I want Pastor Jacob to say, even though he looks in the rearview mirror and he sees the congregation maybe way back there, they're not way back there. They're a lot closer than he might think. They're right there with him in the trenches. It's the beauty of loving the game. I talked about Jericho, but I want you to know that Jericho is now in your rearview mirror. You might say, well, when did we pass it? Don't worry. And I want you to, I want this church to know this is what I have for you today. Jericho is in the past. Yes, city light has crossed over. City Light has now uh, gained a momentum. City Light is now beginning to experience, experience the promises of God. Things are beginning to open for you, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm believing God for great things for City Light Church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many of you still love this thing? How many of you still love to be here? Because if you don't love it, you'll lose it. Amen. But if you love it, amen, it's going to launch you out even further into the future. And you're going to be part of all. Jericho was in your path to get to what God wants to take you. And my title for today is Give Me Hebron. Give Me Hebron. And I want to explain to you a little bit. I won't be long, but I want to explain to you the difference. Many people, they get to Jericho, and then they want to just, you know, say, that's good. I'm glad. We're in the promises of God. No, no, no. Jericho is just the beginning of what God has for the church. Don't think, spiritually speaking, that you crossed over. Praise God. We're over here. We're in the promises of God. Yes, praise be to God. But we have a bigger vision than that. We have a greater purpose than that. Jericho, amen, is already history. But Hebron is your future. Now I'm going to explain that here in a minute. You have what I call the spirit of Caleb and the dream that Caleb had. Hebron is what Caleb dreamt. I'm going to tell you something. Caleb never dreamt Jericho. He never dreamt Jericho. Never talked about Jericho. He never said, hey, when we get to Jericho. That wasn't what kept him for 45 more years in the desert. It wasn't Jericho that he was concerned about. It wasn't Jericho that he fell in love with. It was Hebron. And Hebron is what Caleb dreamt about 
for 45 years more in the desert. When he was at 40 years, he crossed over into the promised land to scout out the land. He was out there for months looking and seeking, going up and down with 11 other spies scouting out the land. Caleb saw something that got within his spirit. And and, and that what got into his spirit now for 45 years, it was in the frontlets of his eyes. He would not stop talking about Hebron. Will you stop it already, Caleb? Be quiet. You're never going to see Hebron. Oh, no. One day I'm going to set foot on Hebron again. One day I'm going to cross over. But I I don't know what we're going to confront. I have no idea what we're going to have to pass. But my target is Hebron. Hebron had a significant, was significant to Caleb. It is a, it is a spiritually, a, a spiritual place of claiming for him. Hebron was home for our father of faith, Abraham. Abraham loved Hebron. Abraham lived in Hebron. Abraham loved Hebron so much. He spent most of his time in Hebron. But he even uh, wanted to bury his wife in Hebron. And he, he said, well, I, I want to legitimately and legally claim some ground here uh, to, to, to uh, bury my wife, Sarah. So uh, he offered a man by the name of Ephron, he offered him uh, to buy a cave to bury his wife. It was a piece of land, but within there, there was a cave that he wanted to bury his wife in. But Ephron, he offered Abraham. They loved Abraham. In, in that time, and, and these people were inhabitants of the land, and, and they offered Abraham, for Abraham, you can just have it, Abraham. You, you, you got to just take it. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. We love you, Abraham. But Abraham said, no, I don't want you to give me nothing. I want to legitimately buy it for full price. That's what I want. And that is symbolic of what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He paid full price that you and I could be here today. You see, the best things in God. Is going to cost us something. Oh, you ain't hearing me right now. I said the best things in God is going to require something from us. God can give us. God can give you a Jericho. God can give you an AI. But God wants you to pay a price for Hebron. Oh, nobody likes to pay the full price. He, didn't, he offered it for free and even uh, attempted to no- negotiate it and give it to him at a discounted price. But Abraham refused and insisted on paying full price. I'll pay full price. It, 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 was, uh, it was only a small piece of land uh, which uh, it, that, that, that had no meaning. It was a burial site for, for goodness sake. You know, it was a cemetery for us. And, and you know, who wants to pay full price? 
No. But Abraham said, no, no. I want to pay full price. I know that it's spiritually mine because God said, wherever I set my foot is mine. But I want you to know that I want to pay it because I want it not only to be mine spiritually, I want it to be mine legally. I want the deed of the land. Praise the Lord. I want the deed. And so they proceeded. And Abraham purchased this, the piece of land there. And, and, and eventually he buried his wife. Not only did God promise Abraham the land, but God provided for Abraham to purchase it. And now Abraham had what I call a double claim. A double claim, man. I don't know if you've ever had anything that you got a double claim on. But man, let me tell you, one's not good enough. The other one here, man, I got the paperwork. <laughs> it's mine. It's mine. You're not going to take it away from me? You might, you might think that and maybe I might be in a spiritual low somewhere and you think you can run me out of the promised land. Yeah, you might be able to run me out of the promised land, but I got a claim to this land. I got the deed. And I want you to know that when the people of God were in Egypt and, and, and Jacob passed away, amen, and, and he passed away in a foreign land, but Joseph said, I need to go bury my father in the deeded land land of Hebron. I need to take him back and bury him on the land that was purchased by my grandfather. I need to take him to my great-grandfather. I need to take him there. And he took him back and buried Jacob in the land, Hebron. So we see here that no matter where the patriarchs would die, they were returned to Hebron and buried why? Because Hebron is a destination. Hebron to them was a place of rest. Hebron was for them a place of claim. This is ours, and we're going here. Praise God. I was just recently involved in some property dispute when I was supervising up there in the Great Lakes. They have a huge piece of land, 87 or 88 acres of land that they, they, they bought years and years ago. And, and they wanted access. Uh, well, praise God, uh, when we started to get access in there, everybody was saying, you can't get in through my property. He said, well, doesn't this place have an entrance? How are we going to get to our land? He says, well, we've been coming through over here, you know, and, and, and we've been coming in through this little piece of land over here. Well, who owns this land? We don't know. I says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to buy that land. Because ain't nobody going to deny us access to our promise. Hello, somebody. And, and let me just say, uh, Bishop, are, are you okay? And I says, what do you mean am I okay? Are you okay? How can you have something and not have access? We got to get right here. Let's make it right. I says, in first place, uh, you know what we're going to do? I want you to build a big gate in the beginning, in the entrance, uh, and put a name on this campsite uh, and say, this belongs to us. This is our entrance. And they say, you want to put a gate? Put an entrance. Ain't nobody going to deny us what belongs to us. Praise God. 
And, and you know, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of things uh, that the enemy want, might want to say. Uh, the door is closed. Uh-uh. We got to claim him there. And I, I know the city light. God has something big for city light. And you need to get in there. Abraham paved the way. Abraham bought the entrance. And Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Leah are all buried there now. Hebron is a place of beginning and a place of ending. Hebron is a full circle, if you please. So when they began to take the land with Joshua as their leader, when they began to make their way into the land and and they, they began to take uh, uh, certain cities, like I mentioned. Uh, they, they started in the central uh, 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 of Canaan, central uh, cities, and Jericho was one of them, and, Heb- and Ai, another one, and so forth. And, and then they had to go south. And when they were going south, there was Hebron. And it was around that time that, that, that Caleb, in Joshua 14, 12, and, and he said this, Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard, and nobody else, he says the Lord spoke. And I'm going to tell you, when God speaks, nothing can come against it. When God spoke a word into your life, don't listen to nobody else. It don't matter if somebody says you're going to fail. I don't care. I'm in the will of God. And I'm going to have great success. Well, you've had a lot of failures. It don't matter if you had failures. When you have a word from God, you're going to have great success. He spoke in that day. He says, for you heard him. He was now talking to, to Joshua. You heard, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. Who was Anakim? Anakim was a family of giants. There were three brothers that lived there, the descendants of Anakim, and they were there. Uh, uh, They were in that Hebron. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. That mountain was Hebron. That was his target. Hebron was not an option for Caleb. It was not up for negotiation. Caleb, would you rather have this city over here? Look at the land. Look at how beautiful it is. Look at the water brooks that go through it. Caleb, Caleb said, no, I'm not interested. No, 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 I'm not interested in that. He said, what about over here, Caleb? What about this side? Go up north, central. Amen. Why do you want to be down there in the south? There's a lot of trouble down there. Hey, I don't care what's down there. I have a dream. I, I, I've, got, I've got reason to go there. He says, uh, and he said he was decisive. 
He was determined. He was bold. And he was courageous to pursue this challenge. And he says, I am repossessing what belonged to my forefathers. I don't know. You know, some years ago, I, I had a real nice pickup truck, 56 Chevy custom cab, full synchro shift, 327 650 carburetor. Yeah, she was a beauty, man. I can show you pictures after service. I sold it two times. And you think I'd learned the first time. This guy, I, I don't know what was wrong with me. He must have caught me on a good day for him. But I sold it to him, but I sold it to him on a little bit of credit. He owed me a balance. And I said, look, wait, whoa. You think I'm dumb? I'm not going to give you the pink slip until you pay me in full. Oh, you got to put insurance on it? Well, I kept my insurance on it just in case. Well, he didn't pay me. And I went looking for him. I couldn't find him. He was not home all the time. So one day I got a buddy of mine that was a police officer and says, hey, I, gotta, I, I need a favor. So what do you need? Say, I got to go get my pickup, man. So you got the pink slip right here? I got the pink slip, man. He said, well, let's go get it. So we went over there, and sure enough, the pickup was in the driveway. And walked up there, and this big bruiser of a man, he comes up, what you want? And he says, I want my pickup. And he says, you can't have it. He says, oh, yes, I can. I got the pink slip right here. It's in my name. It's my name. Officer's in my name. He says, it's in his name. He says, well, what are you going to do? So we're going to take it. I'm going to drive it away right now. He said, you can't drive. He said, oh, yes, I can. He said, you ain't got the key. Oh, you think I gave you all the keys? I, got, I know you're dumb enough not to change that because that's hard to get another key slot for that 56. He says, I got an extra set of keys here. Bye-bye. You, you can't take. Watch me. And the officer said, oh, stay there, sir. Go ahead and drive her away, sir. I got in my little 56 Chevy. Vroom. Oh, man, it felt good. I'm out of here. The secret to reclaiming what was mine, I had the keys. Oh, you ain't hearing me right now. I had the keys. I don't know if City Light has the keys. How many got the keys here? I will give you the keys, the Lord said. Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and I will give you the keys. Wow. So you can claim it. You have the deed, the title, and you got the keys. And you can go claim what's yours. Hebron belongs to City Light. I said, Hebron belongs to this church. Now, we're going to go there a little bit. City Light. Hebron is yours to claim. Listen to this. Hebron later became a Levitical city. It became a priestly city. Because if you recall the priests, the Levites had no claim to nothing. But you know where they went? Hebron. All the priests went to Hebron. All the Levitical people went to Babel. became a Levitical city, a priestly city where the priests ministered and sought God's presence. 
It was a place of worship. It became where people went to worship God. Are you with me? It was a place where people wanted to go. Where are you going? Going to Hebron. What's in Hebron? Whoa, man. Hebron is where the priests are. Hebron is where the worship is. I want to go to Hebron. Hebron was something that people desired. Hebron also became a refuge. One of the cities, first cities of refuge where fugitives can go and find hope. So it was a not only a place of worship, where the priests were, the Levitical city, where the presence of God was sought and where there was worship, but people came there because they knew there's hope over there in Hebron. When David became king of Judah, anointed for the first time, he reigned from Hebron for seven and a half years. Hebron was the royal residence of the king, David. You see, when you take Hebron, the king will show up. Oh, you're not hearing me right now. I said, when you take Hebron, the king is going to come and reside in Hebron. Why? Because we claimed it. How many want the King of kings and the Lord of Lords to reside right here at City Light? Oh, praise the Lord, somebody. It was Hebron where David was anointed again. I believe that was the third time. And he became king over all of Israel. Listen to me. When we claim Hebron and we take Hebron and we possess Hebron, not only is it going to be a royal place for priests, for the presence of God, worship, a refuge place, a place, but it's going to be a place of anointing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A place of a... I feel the presence of the Lord, right? Let me tell you something. You can have whatever you want. I want the anointing of the Lord. I want to know that I'm in the midst and in the right place to get the anointing of the Lord. The anointing, greater anointings, great things await City Light Church. If we can only take Hebron, give me Hebron. Hebron, spiritually speaking, is a great prize. It is a place of great expectation. It was in Hebron that Caleb, when he was surveying the land with his other 11 uh, 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 spies, they were out there surveying the land. It was at Hebron. And that mountain where Caleb plucked those enormous grapes, he plucked them out and he brought them back over, back to Moses as evidence 
of the promises and the great things that await us in the promised land. But he plucked them out of Hebron. Hebron was known to be where everything grew big. Praise the Lord. The people were big. Praise the Lord. The fruit of the land was enormous. I don't know if you want the enormous here at City Light. Yeah, let everybody have the, 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 the raisins. <laughs> let other people take the raisins. If you like raisins, I'm sorry. But let somebody else take the raisins. I want the grapes, man. Because grapes produce wine, and wine is symbolic of the Spirit. Oh, you ain't hearing me now. Oh, let me tell you something. He brought back the evidence of the fruitfulness of the land. Caleb, he was aware of the strong resistance he would face. Hebron is where the sons and Anak lived. He knew that. And, but guess what? Not everybody views Hebron like Caleb did. This is important. There were giants in Hebron. And it was there that the ten spies that came back with a negative report came back with a report of what they saw in Hebron. Wow. There's people. There's churches. We don't mention no names. There are churches they get to Jericho and Ai and all the other little places, and they shout, and they're Shiloh. They're just having a party. But they have no idea what Hebron has. And you know why they don't want to go there? They know there's big fruit there. They know, but they're afraid of the giants. They're afraid. They said, what did they say? We're like grasshoppers before them, they said. Grasshoppers. Is that how you view an apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled church as a grasshopper in the city of Mountain View? You're not a grasshopper here. You're giant killers, man. You, you have the deed and the keys to the promise of God. The gifts of God are operating here. We're not grasshoppers. In fact, you should get a sign and put it out there and say, no grasshoppers allowed. <laughs> Brother, get an idea now. Hebron is a place of refuge. You can put up that last slide for me, brother. Thank you. Look at this. Hebron is a place of refuge, a place of great abundance. A place of rooted faith through our patriarchs. A place of royalty. A place of worship. A place of ministry. And most importantly, a place of anointing. Stand with me, please. City Light. Just as God blessed Caleb with such a great trophy. God will also give city light Hebron. 
and all that comes with it if you just claim your trophy, your prize. Hebron is a typology of a powerful revival, a great harvest, a great ministry, and a powerful anointing. What I've come to tell you today, Hebron is yours to claim. Many people settled around Jericho. Oh, why don't we just camp right here? Wow, what a victory. Wow, did you see the walls come down? Yeah, yeah, we, wow, wasn't that something? We took the city. But you see, that wasn't Caleb's motivation. Caleb says, I, I got something far greater to claim. I, I, I don't want the, the stuff along the way. Yeah, there are victories, and you're going to have victories. You're going to have one victory, another victory. You've had several victories. But it, it isn't over until we capture Hebron. Because that's where God begins to do great and mighty things. People are going to want to come here for refuge. People are going to come and enjoy the fruit, the hope, the ministry, the worship. Because that's what Hebron was and is to us spiritually. How many want to go to Hebron? You want to go to Hebron? So Jacob, 10 years ago, we dedicated Jericho to you. Today, it's Hebron. That's the next step. And I know you've had a lot of victories and God is brought people here many ways and baptisms and restorations and whatnot. And those are victories. We celebrate those victories. You've had healings. You've had miracles. So many things that have happened in the last 10 years. But Hebron is the big one. Because when you get there, there's a price to pay, yes. It's not for free. But like Caleb said, those giants, they're going down. Because God already told me. And Jacob, I'm telling you, Hebron is yours for the taking. Hebron is City Light's future. Because God is faithful to His promises. When we lay claim on what's already ours, this is the great revival that the Apostolic Assembly 
is desiring. And I, I told my wife just this morning, I said, you know, I would love to guide people, churches, bishops, into the greatest revival they have ever seen. I want to be part of that. And I, I, I know I'm positioned in a place where I could make a difference, but I want to do more. Because I've yet to see. We're celebrating. That's good, but we're celebrating prematurely. We stay there. We don't move forward into the, the miraculous, into the, the operations of the supernatural. And that's Hebron. That's Hebron. That's where I want to go. And I know that's where City Light is going to experience. Because Pastor Jacob, Hebron belongs to you. God is granting you access. And not many days hence, you're going to begin to experience things. That you had only dreamed about experiencing. You dream about them. You want them so bad. God is giving it to you now. Step in faith. Walk in faith. Don't settle for the celebration. You know, that's great. We, we conquered this. We got a victory here. We got a Go for Hebron. It's a mountain. It's treacherous. It's dangerous. But it's rewarding. It's rewarding. And this is what God said to tell you. And I pray, church, that you will celebrate Hebron already. You see, because Keb, Caleb talked about it. He dreamed about it. Yeah, he, he was part of Jericho. He's part of all of that. But he says, I'm not satisfied until I can take Hebron. But not everybody wants Hebron. Not everybody desires it. Because they get stuck in the small celebrations along the way. They pitch tent there. They make a home there. But home is Hebron. Home is Hebron. If I can only get to Hebron, I will experience the ultimate, the miraculous. And that doesn't stop there. From there, David was the one that launched out to Jerusalem. But he launched from Hebron to Jerusalem. And that's another preaching. That's another message right there, man. Tell him, wow. But Hebron is a launching pad.
to the miraculous. 